Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So today I decided to do just a one-off sermon, uh, no series, no mini-series, just something I think we need to hear as a church. And I decided not to announce it last week or to say anything about it this week because who wants to hear a sermon about giving? Just just who comes to church, just I hope the pastor preaches on giving today. I just hope he preaches on money and how much money to give and how much money we need. Nobody wants to hear that, let's be honest. But... When we come to the Word of God, we see money addressed. We see giving addressed. And honestly, as your pastor to our church family, we just really need to hear from God on the importance of giving. It has been a rough year for many. It's been a rough year for our economy. It's been a rough year for many families. Unfortunately, this leads to a decrease across the board. And as families make cuts in eating out or grocery shopping or clothes shopping or extras, unfortunately, church seems to be one of those places that gets cut first. Uh, As we cut our streaming platforms and our TV, internet, or whatever it is we have to cut when things get tight, church seems to be at the top of that list. And if you take your bulletin with me, I did this for our our business meeting a few, few weeks ago. Uh, On the third flap on the inside of the bulletin at the top, you'll see a section called giving. That's actually not August. Uh, That is September. (laughs) So September budget requirements, you'll see 71,649. And uh, budget receipts, 42,900. Sorry, the other way around. Oh, no, that's, that's this month. Is this an old, this is an old bulletin. You'll see the information at the top of that bulletin every week that says how much we have budgeted to raise that month, that's how much we need to keep things operational, and then how much has been given to date on that month. And, and I think your bulletin does say August, but that number is September. And if you'll notice over the past couple of months, if you save your bulletins, I don't know anybody does that anymore, some people used to save their bulletins and keep them. If you go back and look, you'll see a few rough months this year, a few pretty rough months. Not just that giving was under budget, but giving was way under budget. So we had a rough May, I think, and a rough June, a really bad sort of August. And um, we need to talk just as a church from the Bible, from the Scripture, about the importance of giving, what it means for us to give as Christians, what we're giving to as Christians. Now, you might be one of those that have come from a different church background or you come from an abusive church background or a church that that abused the money or abused the giving. I don't know what you're coming from or where you're coming from. And so your question might honestly be, well, what are we giving to? And what are you spending on? Well, our church system of government is congregational, meaning that the authority in our local church here does not come from the top down. It comes from the bottom up. As Baptists, we believe that the power and the authority in the church in terms of decisions and progress lies with the people. Guided by the pastors, led by the pastors, 
of course, but the decision ultimately comes from the people. And so everything across the board, from our finances to our budget to salaries, everything is there for you to see, there for you to vote on. In fact, every year as we come into a new church year, come January, before January, in November, I think, we'll have a special call business meeting to see the proposed budget from our finance committee, not from our staff, not from the pastors saying this is what we want to do, but from a lay-led community that gets together and says, this is what our budget needs to be. We'll vote on that as a church. Every line is there for you to see. And so we don't have that sort of blind giving, blind spending system at our church. It's open, it's there for you to see, it's there for you to approve. Uh, We pay insurance for our building. We pay insurance for staff members. We pay insurance for liability. We pay for utilities, lights, gas, water, internet, phone service, all the things you pay for in your home, we pay for uh, here to have. We pay for regular old bills, whatever they are. We pay our staff. I know there are some churches and some traditions that do not pay their staff and don't pay pastors to preach and teach. I think that is unbiblical. As Paul says, that uh, someone who a worker is worthy of his wages, do not muzzle an ox while he treads out the grain. We preached on this a few weeks ago. And that double honor is to be given to those who serve the Lord in that way especially those who preach and who teach. So the Bible is clear about paying your bills. We as people understand that's basic Christian stewardship. Pay your bills, pay your debts, pay what you owe. And as a church, we pay our staff. We pay those who serve us on staff, our preachers, our teachers, our ministry assistants, and so on. I want you to know, though, and I want you to remember, again, whatever church background you've come from, that none of our income as a church zero income as a church comes from outside of our church. Zero dollars is poured into First Baptist from some other entity, not from our denomination, not from our association, not from our convention. No, one, no one's giving us money to run things here. Everything we do, all of our ministries, all of our bills, all of our staff, everything is paid from what you give. And when you look at that bulletin and you see what is required and what is given, that's all there is to it. There's nothing more added to that. There's no bonuses that come in that catch up and make up the difference. That's what it is. So on these months when you've seen 69, 71 in the bulletin and our giving for a month is in the 30s or the 40s, that's very, and understand that's very different for us as a church. We came into this year as a, as a committee, the finance committee, very optimistic about the church because uh, the giving in the church because last year giving was so good and we ended the year over what we needed and under on expenditures this year has been a little different so we need to hear from God about what he expects from our giving I also want you to know that we're in this too as your staff we expect our staff pastors we expect our deacons In fact, when you filled out your nomination form for deacons, you'll notice that one of the requirements on there was that they are to be faithful in their giving. We expect that of our staff, of our deacons, of our leaders, of our teachers. I should say we expect it of all of our members to be faithful givers to the work of the ministry. But it seems as if we as a church need a reminder. That we need to re-ask the question, why give? Is it biblical? What's the purpose of it? And honestly, this morning, I can say this as a a dad and a father, a husband that has been through this with our own family. Maybe we need to make some decisions. Maybe we need to make some cuts 
a change in priorities in our family, in our lives. But ultimately today, I want you to see that this is more than just an adjustment of the budget. This is more than just an adjustment of how we spend. Paul tells us this morning that this is a decision of the heart. This is a matter of the heart, not of Excel spreadsheets and budgeting and calculators and numbers merely, but it is a decision to be made in the heart. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. Paul says, the point is this. That's always great. Pastors do that for years. And here's the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Number one today we see a forgotten principle. A forgotten principle here in verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And as soon as those words leave my mouth, and as soon as I say something like the principle of sowing and reaping, I think we in America are so programmed, especially Christians, to hear the abuse and the misuse and the fraud that has been associated with that principle because of the prosperity gospel. Because the prosperity gospel says, sow your money. And and here's the thing about the prosperity gospel. It's often not coming from a pastor to his church. It's often coming from some talking head on a TV or a radio telling you to give to his ministry. And he uses this to say, now if you give, you'll receive. But if you don't give, you're missing out on a blessing. That's a biblical principle. But it's a principle Paul gives to the local church. Not this uh, nameless face on the TV that says, give me a thousand and you'll reap a million. It's often backed by unfruitful, unrealistic lies and false promises that have no return for the people to actually give into those ministries for those so-called pastors. So we immediately hear that, and I was laughing last night because Jessica said, hey, or I think her mom, someone said, you know that, that Tammy Faye movie is on Hulu. Why don't you watch that? We've been wanting to watch it. It's on Hulu, so we turned it on. It's called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. It's a good movie, really good. And it's about just the saga towards the end of the ministry, if you don't know, of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker in the 80s, 70s and 80s. And their downfall because of um, money being spent from their ministry that was not theirs to spend, embezzling and affairs and all that goes with that. And I laughed because I thought, man, i got to preach on this tomorrow and I'm going to sound just like old Jimmy Baker up there saying, sow that seed and reap your harvest, but I hope you don't hear that this morning. We're not talking about the prosperity gospel. We're not talking about name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, whatever the other uh, euphemisms are for the prosperity gospel. This isn't pay in so that you can get your blessing from the Lord in terms of monetary benefit or physical healing or whatever it is. But this principle is here in the Bible. We just read it. They who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, and those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. That word bountifully there is an adjective in most of our Bibles, reap bountifully. It's actually a noun. Those who sow 
blessings will reap blessings. Blessings, benefits. This actually gives the sense that things are being accrued, that you are paying and paying and paying, that you're giving and giving and sowing and sowing, and you're building up blessings for yourself that are bountiful, that do overflow in your life. So oftentimes this has been misused to say simply something like this. If you give money, God will give you more money in return. And that is not exactly what Paul says, nor what Paul means. See, that's how it's been abused. You give money, God will give you something you want. You give some money, you get your physical healing. You give some money, you get that promotion you've been wanting. And then they say the converse is also true. You don't give your money, you won't get that promotion. You don't give your money, you won't get that healing. And so it gets wrapped up into that false system of what we call the prosperity gospel. Nevertheless, we look here and Paul says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And if you reap, sow in blessings, you will reap in blessings. So what kind of blessing are we talking about? It's important to note that it might be monetary. God might choose to reward your faithfulness and giving and your stewardship of what he's given you with more, with the intent that you then give more. God might reward you in that way. God might gift you with a physical healing. God might answer a prayer in the way that you want through the faithfulness of your giving and your generosity. But I think Paul would have us also to see that it's not just about money. It isn't just about finances or physical healing. In fact, look what he says starting in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. That's God. God who gives all things, he will give you yet more seed. As you sow bountifully and you reap bountifully, God will give you yet more seed for sowing. And watch this though. And increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So if we were to ask the question, well if it's not money, Pastor Matt, if it's not the prosperity gospel, what is it? What kind of blessings are we talking about? Well, What does Paul say? Two main things I see here. God will increase your righteousness and God will increase your generosity. That the fruit of your harvest will be more righteousness. That righteousness which you've been given by faith in Christ alone will continue to increase and bear fruit in your life as you are faithful in your giving and generous in your heart. This isn't about purchasing your salvation. You're not purchasing more righteousness, but God will cause you to grow in your righteousness and grow in your holiness before him as you are faithful in your giving, as you get your priorities in order and put him first. Paul also says that there's generosity here. Generosity, so that as you've been given in every way, you ought to be able to turn around and be generous then in every way. So that as your blessings increase, so does your giving. As your blessings and your earthly riches increase, so does your generosity and your hospitality. Giving, sacrificing, sowing as you grow in holiness and trust and faith in Jesus. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 there's a famous passage on 
tithing. And this is the prophet Malachi calling the old covenant people of God. He says, bring your full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Israel was accused here of robbing God. In the old covenant, there was the system, the law of the tithe. That as a nation and as a people, they were required by the old covenant law of God to give a tenth or sometimes even a twentieth of what they had earned to the Lord. Back to the temple, back to the tabernacle in the wilderness. They were to give that to the work of the priest, to the work of the ministry there in the midst of the people. That was the principle of the tithe. And for whatever reason, by the time of Malachi, the people, distracted by false gods, distracted by their own sin, had stopped giving to God what he was owed in the 10th or the 20th, that law of the tithe. And God says, you're not just keeping from me a small portion. You are robbing me, God says. Now, I have to tell you this morning, we use the word tithe. I prayed the word tithe earlier. I think it's just what we generally mean when we say we're going to give an offering to the Lord. Technically, the tithing is an Old Testament principle under the law that does not compute in an equal way into the New Testament. But listen, the principle is the same. In the Old Covenant, it was the law, a tenth. It was the law to give the tithe, expected, required, duty, Law. In the new covenant, it is not law, but it is grace. In the new covenant, it isn't the 10th, the 20th. What is it in the new covenant? Give according to what you have. Give graciously. God says of his people in the Old Testament, you're throwing me scraps. You're giving me leftovers. I heard one pastor call it one, one time that you're tipping God. How often do we come into church, we come into the worship service, and maybe after we've calculated all the bills and calculated all the stuff that we have to do in the month, you know, to, to pay the bills, to pay the TV, to pay the internet, to pay whatever it is, pay insurance, all the stuff that it piles on top of us in life, and then we get to the end and we have this much maybe for, for extra spending or this much for eating out, and then gas, and then what's left? Let's give a portion of that to God. And you can see how the pastor would call it tipping God. Here's a little bit for you. Here's a little bit for you this week, God. Malachi says, we're actually robbing God. But I want you to see that this isn't merely a chastisement by the prophet. Did you see the challenge in Malachi's words? Test me, says the Lord. Put me to the test. Give over and above Give sacrificially, the Lord says to his people in the Old Covenant. And he says, see if I won't throw open the doors of heaven and throw down blessing on top of blessing on you. Maybe money, maybe materially, maybe physically, but how much more spiritually as we grow in holiness and grow in our trust and grow in our faith. 
How much more benefit is that to us than the other stuff? And God says, test me and try me. Put me to the test and see if I don't throw those blessings down on you. The old gospel song says, you can't beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. The more you give, the more he gives to you. That's sowing and that's reaping. And if you want to receive growth, Spiritual holiness, growth in righteousness, fruit, it starts with the basics. It starts with the basics of Christian worship. And one of the basics of Christian worship, as we hear the word and sing the word and pray the word and observe the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, one of those primary acts of worship is giving. The Bible has commanded our giving. And if you're going to grow in your walk with Christ, it starts with those basics. Now I want you to hear me this morning. There certainly is more to giving as a Christian than money. But I want you to also hear this. Christian giving is certainly not less than giving money. This is not the tithe as a legalistic tax with minimal effort, minimal love, But Paul calls us to give according to our blessings. Give according to what we have. And as you give, and as God continues to pour out blessings, you will have more to give more. You will have more to love more. So the question for you this morning is, are you sowing? And if you're sowing, are you sowing sparingly? Or are you sowing according to your blessings? Are you sowing little? Or are you sowing much? Do you see God's blessing in your life? Do you see his grace in your life? Do you see his growth in your life? He says, put me to the test. Put me to the test, he says to you today. See if he won't do it. Try him. Start now. Number two today, it's a heart principle. This is why New Testament giving is not the tithe of the Old Testament. Because it's a matter of the heart, not just the law. I want you to watch watch this now. How even the most faithful tithers can fall into legalism. How even the most faithful, staunch, first check you write every month tithers can fall into legalism. How easy is it to do that? Why? Because it's just what we do. My parents did it. My grandparents did it. I watched them do it. This is what I do. And sure, you're giving sacrificially and you're giving the first fruits. It might be the first check you write every month. But how heartless and cold and worshipless it can become when it's just what we do. I get my paycheck, I write the check dutifully, religiously, automatically, and devoid of worship. It's a matter of principle, yes, but it's also a matter of the heart. And if your giving to the church becomes just another bill, if it becomes just another line item on the budget, to check. We have to watch out that no matter how faithful we are in doing that, 
we can be just like the Pharisees who did it quite well and quite bountifully, but their heart was far from the Lord. Paul says here in verse 7 that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is a decision of the heart. And each must give as they have purposed in their heart. Do you see how that's different from the law that says this is what you give? And the New Testament that says give according to what you have cheerfully from the heart. You can write a tithe check. Listen, 10% every week, every month, every year of your life. Faithful, regular, and it can mean nothing. Never asking, can I give more? Never asking, how have I been blessed, and how then can I return that blessing to my church family, to my community? Paul says New Testament giving is not reluctant. It's not to be given grudgingly, literally from a heart of regret or complaining. New Testament giving, Paul says, is not under compulsion. You know what that means? Not by the law. Not by duty, not from expectation, not even from tradition. But giving under the new covenant is a matter of the heart. In fact, Jesus says, Matthew 6, 21, it's a manifestation of your heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I want you to hear me this morning. There is no religious law I can enact like the LDS, the Mormon church that keeps track of what their people give and lets them know when they're not giving enough. We don't do that. And we won't do that. There's no tithing law that binds you. There's no tithing law that binds New Testament believers compelling them to do anything unless there is a move of the Holy Spirit upon the heart that moves us to obedience and to faithfulness What we do means nothing. Unless there is a decision made in your heart, in the heart of your family, to worship and to sacrifice in this way, nothing changes. But listen, on the other hand, when your heart overflows because of the goodness of God, the goodness of God to you, the goodness of God to your family, Oh, how that should produce in us a heart of giving from your blessings, from what you've been given. You then pour out those blessings as what Paul says is a cheerful, joyous giver. Question for you is, where's your heart today? I can't see that. I can't judge that. But God knows. God knows and God does. You know. You know. Your family knows. Where's your heart? Might be easily answered with that question. Where's your treasure? Maybe it's wrapped up in trying to make a name for yourself, trying to buy something for yourself, to build an empire in this world. Maybe at the end of it all, it's just sheer greed. And I implore you now, as the Spirit moves and the Spirit speaks through His Word, 
to decide from your heart to give from your abundance. Lastly today, it's a grace principle. It's a grace principle. Paul says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Does the pastor up here today talking about giving fill you with dread, or worry, or stress, or anger, or impatience? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, even now as I preach and as the Spirit moves, oh, God, how, can I, how can I rework this? Where does this leave us as an individual, as a family, as a household? Are you feeling stuck today? This promise in verse 8 is for you and for all of us. That as you give and as you sow, God is able to give you sufficiency in all things. When it says that he's able to give you sufficiency, the word means contentment. That as we adjust and as we cut and as we sacrifice, you would think that at the end of doing those things, we would be less happy or more miserable or less free with our money. When in fact, and you can testify to this, you faithful, worshipful givers, you can testify to this, that at the end of all that process where you should feel down and bound and stuck and stressed, how often do you give sacrificially and from your abundance and at the end of it, you feel free And God supplies all your needs. And God graciously gives you more than what you need. I bet if we took a poll, hand after hand after hand would be raised saying, yes, I know that. And I can testify to that in my life. Because as the heart, listen, is turned away from money and stuff and notoriety and self and earthly pleasures. And as that heart is turned to God and his kingdom, and his work, and his worship, your desires change. Your desires change. And as those desires change to God, and his grace, and his righteousness, and his holiness, he is happy to fulfill those desires. Matthew 6, Jesus still at the Sermon on the Mount, where he spoke earlier, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we wear, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? He said, or what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? He says, The Gentiles worry about these things. They seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And you all know this verse. But if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all the other things will be added to you. That as you sow into God's kingdom, as you sow in worship and love to him and to his work, everything else will be added to you. Everything you need for life and godliness. Everything you need for spiritual and physical contentment. You will abound, he says. With money? Maybe. With physical health? Maybe. I pray that for you. But maybe it's as Paul says in verse 9 that you will abound in every good work. And listen, when you come across a phrase like that in Scripture and you feel disappointed that Paul doesn't say you will abound in your wallet, you will abound in your fame, you will abound in your health. But when it says you will abound in every good work and we somehow feel disappointed that it's that and not the other stuff... 
you understand that you're the one that's got it wrong, right? That Paul is telling you the better thing. Better than to abound in money and physical health and the goods of this world is to abound in every good work. Your harvest goes beyond money. Your harvest goes beyond earthly goods. Your harvest goes to holiness itself as the Spirit changes your heart and your desires and your priorities and reorients your whole person to the kingdom of God. And how do we know that God will not leave us or forsake us in this? How do we know that we don't have to worry, we don't have to stress How do we know that he will give us all we need for life and righteousness? Listen, because he's already given us the most precious gift that he can possibly give us. Look what Paul says in verse 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. God gave it all when he gave us Jesus. And your giving and my giving should be in direct relationship to that which God has given. Has he given you life this morning? Did you wake up this morning with your your mind in the right place, maybe after a cup of coffee, your mind in the right place, your feet working, your body working, awake, alive, breathing God's air, with ability? Did you wake up to the smiles of your children? Or maybe even they're whining, but it's still a blessing. Amen. Did you wake up this morning to a house, a roof over your head, food on your table? Did you come into this place today as sinners saved by the grace of God? Did you come into this place today as sinners headed for heaven? With Jesus as your Lord? Has God been good to you today? I hope that's just some quiet agreement. Has God been good to you today? You're alive, you're breathing, you're saved. You ought to give him some praise. Yeah, with your mouth, with our hands as we clap and we rejoice in the Lord. Yeah, Oh yeah, you can do it right now. Praise the Lord. But listen, listen. With our mouth, with our hands, what about our giving? As we praise God with our mouth, does God say, okay, put your money where your mouth is? Questions for you today that I think I know the answer to. Do you want First Baptist Church to thrive? Do you want First Baptist Church to grow? You want to see believers equipped in the faith? You want to see unbelievers saved, baptizing, growing in the faith? Think about the wonderful ministries you see throughout the year. Do you want to see Vacation Bible School continue? You want to see kids here every Wednesday night being bussed in from all of our schools to sing the praises of God and then learn about him, that we feed them and teach them the word of God. You love your small groups if you're involved in that and you go and you learn You love your Sunday school class. I hope you appreciate your wonderful staff. I know I do. If you want all that to continue, then this morning we need to make some decisions of the heart. And our giving, our tithing, our generosity, 
we need to make some decisions about our personal gratitude to God. I want to take just a moment to express my personal gratitude to you. You are a giving, generous church. My family knows that. A couple weeks ago with our surprise pounding and all the wonderful gifts and things we received, we saw your generosity. We see your generosity when we have special speakers come in and we take love offerings. And there's not been one that has come since I've been here and we took love offerings for them. There's not been one that didn't reply after, wow. I was not expecting that. Your people are so generous and so giving. That's wonderful. And I agree. Now let's plug that into the regular ministry of our church. The week by week, month by month, year by year needs. This is about us as a church. Our place as a gospel witness in our community. As we want to be faithful to the gospel, faithful to the word, and faithful to the Great Commission. This is about you as an individual believer. Your growth in holiness, your growth in righteousness, your joy, your worship, your heart. This is about, listen, fathers, this is about your family. Single moms, this is about your family. Priorities. What's important. What your children see is important. What comes first. The example that you're setting for them. Make a decision today to sow bountifully from the blessings that God has given to you. Make that decision for your church, for you, for your family, so that you might reap bountifully. Money, maybe. Physical health, maybe. I pray those things for you, but here's what definitely will come. Growth in grace, growth in holiness, growth in righteousness, life, joy. Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? What decisions need to be made today? I think sometimes it's easy for, you know, the pastor to get up here and preach and say stuff. And, and, and maybe you hear and you say, well, but he, he doesn't know. He doesn't understand what my family is going through. He doesn't understand our hardships. And I can guarantee you that. While I might not understand everything that your family that you are going through, Jessica and I, our family, we've been through tough times as well. And, you know, when, when we were following the Lord in obedience to go to Louisville, to go to seminary, I don't know what kind of crazy we were being not yet two years married, leaving a very fruitful, wonderful job for Jessica in Nashville to go up to Louisville and pay multiple thousands of dollars a semester to learn more about being a pastor and a preacher, more about theology, and working crazy jobs and trying to make it work every single month. But I tell you, as we gave and as we were faithful to the Lord, mainly because Jessica was so faithful to write those checks every week at church, as we gave and as we were faithful, God was faithful to us. Money would come from nowhere. Money would come from family. Money would come from church. Blessings would come from unexpected places. And I'm not, this is not give and get. This isn't karma. This isn't good in, good out, and bad in, bad. Sometimes we just give sacrificially and leave it all there. But I can tell you and I can testify and I know that so many in this room can. That as you give and as you are faithful and as you turn your heart and worship to the Lord in this way. He will pour his blessings out on you. Amen. You know it. We're talking about this this morning. Sister Debbie, we were talking about this. 
he will pour it out on you. Trust him. Put him to the test. Maybe even today. Test him. Try him, says the Lord. See if he will not pour out on you the blessings of heaven. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for these commands of Scripture to give, to give faithfully. And God, it's hard for us at times to make the decisions and sacrifices we need to as, as people in this world with our, our goods and uh, even our necessities, our bills and our, our mortgages and our families and school and everything else that we pay for, God. But help us, help us, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to plan, to think so that we can worship you in this important way. Help us to be generous givers that sow bountifully into your kingdom work here and around the world. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. Also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.